All right. Hello, friends. Welcome to the show. Uh, today, my guest is Matt O'Dowd. Matt is an astrophysicist, professor, and a science communicator, and the host of the show PBS Space Time. So welcome. It's, a, it's an honor to have you as a guest today on the podcast. Hey, Michael. I've been looking forward to this for some time now. I'm very happy to be here. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you for your time. So first and foremost, how are you? I'm, I'm fantastic, all things considered. Uh, I've realized that we basically have to add all things considered to, to almost everything we say now. So um, everything is relative and uh, I'm relatively great. Uh, I'm, you know, at home in New York, uh, in the East Village. Uh, there's a little bit of stir crazy happening, but, uh, you know, we manage. Uh, I go for runs. Um, I... Uh, we have a, a roof deck so we can pretend that we get to go outside. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, burning through some Netflix. <laughs> yeah, we've been binging Breaking Bad. Oh, fantastic. You finally got around to it. This is what it took. Yeah, yeah. Late bloomer. Before that, we were watching some uh, apocalyptic zombie series from korea which is gorgeous but uh the, the timing was a bit okay. sadistic um but yeah we're we're up in the country and fortunately uh i was sharing before we we moved up here back in september so it kind of feels prescient to be out of yeah, the city especially seriously. after 20 years there um yeah so you're safe from zombies for now yeah for now for now, we'll see. As as you said, I'll you know, I have to take everything under consideration in real time. So, as a as an astrophysicist, how do you see what's happening now uh, relevant to the conversations that and the studies that you've done as a scientist? There are so many levels to this. Um, so, you know, when we were speaking earlier, I, I was. You know, partially referencing my own struggles to validate my choice of uh, field of study, uh, astrophysics, uh, you know, given all of the problems with the world uh, and, and, you know, why should I have the luxury to consider the nature of the stars when that doesn't directly help feed the hungry or, or you know, end war or, or even, you know, develop useful and cool technologies um, and, uh, the, you know, I, I always come around to, you know, I, I have no trouble ultimately justifying the, the notion of, of pure research and, and pure knowledge for knowledge's sake. Um, you know, the, the thing that people often say is, is simply that you know, so many of the amazing you know, wonders of our technological world came from um, simply pondering the mysteries of the universe for for their own sake um uh and a fantastic example is quantum mechanics uh which you know whose uh uh i mean discoveries are, are really the foundation of our technological electronic world uh, we, we could not have our modern world without um you know understanding the electron for example um <clears throat> so that's kind of a a direct uh you know potential benefit uh but but i guess there are two other layers so so one layer is that uh you know in the end our what what is our purpose uh, as you know sentient beings you know in these in this existence uh it's not just to survive it's not just to eat and and you know have clean drinking water and, and you know potentially have children and die there's we we strive for something more uh we try, we strive to find some purpose and i think one purpose that you know not all of humanity uh is called to but but a, a significant significant fraction is to to sate that curiosity uh, about about what we are, 
what the universe is, where we came from, really, you know, what the hell is reality? Uh, I think this is, <clears throat> there's something noble uh, about uh, asking these sorts of questions and, and ennobling about uh, this sort of quest. Um, uh, it, it lets us think bigger than ourselves um, and it's a purpose, I think. It's a, it's a, you know, a purpose beyond just, you know, the the pure pursuit of happiness, uh, uh, which is important, of course, and, and and comfort and and you know the right of everyone to lead a good life. But um, you know, we 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 wrestle to find more, um, and so that's that's how I tell myself that this stuff is important, even if you know there's no super tangible benefit that ever ever comes from for example understanding how black holes work um uh yeah there's there's more i can say actually but i'm i I may be rambling so i'm going to let you jump in uh not rambling at all these are vast and uh interwoven subjects um i mean from a Buddhist point of view, uh, there's a there's a hierarchy of things to study and share, depending upon who's asking. And uh, if someone was needing their basic needs met, uh, and wasn't ready for the deeper, more esoteric inquiries, you would show them how to avoid harming themselves and others, and then how to enrich themselves and others. And if they could do that over an extended period of time and came back and asked about the esoteric or the hidden realities, then very carefully you would begin to share that. Otherwise, it would either fall on deaf ears or it would harm them, something like giving LSD to a child, just it wouldn't be healthy. That that may be true uh, at, at a level, but, but I think the pursuit of um, I mean, you know, I can only speak to to directly to my experience in science. Although you know, I've, I've you know at least read in other areas, but um, in my experience as a teacher, uh, I see the uh, so I teach uh, in the Bronx, and we have a lot of uh, underprivileged uh, um, students who come in often, you know, they're working day jobs. They've had uh, hard lives uh, or, or at least very challenging, you know, financially challenging lives and they come in and uh, to see their eyes light up uh, when, you know, they're in a physics lecture or an astronomy class uh, and they see how much more there is beyond um, what, you know, they might at the time see as a, a, a small world, a, 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 an enclosed and enclosing, um, uh, you know, environment of you know whatever their socioeconomic state is up in the Bronx. Uh, you know, it, it, I think <clears throat> even dabbling in these esoteric inquiries, uh, you know, perhaps judiciously <laughs> early on. Um, you know, it, it, I think it can give people some real, real drive uh, in what I've seen. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the the fact that you know generalities never apply to specifics is important. You know, like the, it's such a personal thing as a teacher to understand the mind of your student, and that's revealed when the student comes to class and returns to class and begins to ask questions and show their curiosities, then we can really keep the conversation the most relevant living edge. And I agree that that mm-hmm. as a curious person, curiosity and wonder and touching the frontier of the, the unknown uh, is what makes life li- worth living. The, um, to be in a mode of pure survival um, is, I guess, what made it impossible to have education of a higher order 
You know, like if you look at the word school coming from scola and that meaning leisure, that there has to be a certain amount of free time, a certain amount of resources available for these inquiries to, uh, to spread and be, you know, engaged with on a regular basis. Yeah, very true. Coming to this question of, you know, who are we? Where do we come from? And uh, where are we going, particularly with what humanity has done to itself, what it's done to the ecology, particularly over the last 150 years of Industrial Revolution, and um, the stage of maturity that human consciousness is presently at, does it, put, to put it boldly, does it deserve to be um, continued and exported if the idea of escaping this world is possible and continuing? <coughs> Yeah, uh, my brother would say no. He would say, <laughs> to hell with humanity uh, if it can save the rest of the world. Uh, I don't believe that myself. <clears throat> you know, I, I so I, I guess, you know, we, talk, we talked about the value of existence. You know, what what is the purpose of being? Uh, what is the purpose of us having woken up as conscious beings? Uh, you know, with no, uh, not not necessarily any inbuilt purpose, but 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 only what we can find, um, what value we can find, if you like. Um, but then, you know, the, uh, another equally abstract question is: What is the value of humanity existing at all? What is the value of the existence of conscious minds? Uh, is it valuable that there are conscious minds in the universe? Um, and it's, you know, if we're to allow that anything has value at all, then I think it, it must be that there are entities to perceive that this beautiful universe and to understand it, that, the, that they exist, um, whether it needs to be humanity or not. I, I'm agnostic about but, uh, but But I think, you know, no matter, you know, what degree of... Uh, you know, moral relativism you're, you 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 fall down or, or or whether you completely abandon the idea of you know fundamental you know rights and and wrongs I, I think the the one thing that it's hard to get away from is that it, it is good that conscious beings exist uh, and you know uh, my brother would say that it, um, Tigers are perfectly conscious enough, <laughs> but uh, but I also think there's a there's a uh, some scale here. I think we are able to perceive and know the universe uh, in a way that no other animal can. Um, and I'm not saying necessarily better, but in a way that no other animal can, we're able to think about. You know, we're able to have conscious experience that experiences that no other animal can have. Um, and these are valuable. It's, it, 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 is, it is good that, that those experiences exist. Um, uh, and so, you know, for that reason, I think humanity is worth saving, uh, you know, even though we, are, we have many sins behind us. <laughs> you know, it, it, it may be that any emerging consciousness in this universe go, ha, you know, necessarily goes through a patchy beginning. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of have a foot in both camps, both the meta view, maybe more aligned with your brothers, is seeing humanity as a, um, a, a virus on the planet that seemed to have given her a fever in terms of global warming, climate change, and so now we are experiencing a fever as humans. Um, and what this is doing to wake up uh, our footprint on the planet as far as consumers and the cost of that consumption, what's left in the wake of that consumption, um, 
and seeing so many powerful changes as a result of this virus as far as uh, the effect on the atmosphere, the effect on people to stop and look at their habits, look at their addictions, look at what they've been, um, the hamster wheels they've been on, um, having a chance to come back and relate to others through eyes, ears, breath, rather than uh, just running around all the time, staying busy. Um, yeah, I, I see a lot of different benefits to this that's forcing the inquiry in a way I don't think would ever have happened unless a pandemic event like this occurred. And, um, you know, these, and from a Buddhist point yeah. of view, from a yoga point that... of view, yeah, sorry, they, they, this all falls under the category of... Uh, I, I, I was going to agree. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it comes under the, the, the category of renunciation, like when you're forced to let something go, or you choose to let something go, for a period of time, the hand is empty. And that might disturb the psychology and going, well, what if I'm, I never have anything in my hand again? Versus, you know, being present with the fact that there's a, a period of time where something has died and yet to be reborn. There's an in-between stage. It's usually quite uncomfortable unless someone has practiced on a regular basis to, to come into that experience. Yeah, I mean... You know, I, I, I don't think uh, uh, great change can happen without upheaval. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm reluctant to to wish for, for, for terrible events just in the hope that, that things will be better, be better after. But, but it is true that the momentum that we had, uh, uh, you know, towards, uh, well... I don't want to particularly get all political right now, but uh, it, you know, particularly the United States, I think, um, was it was on a like on, on a railroad track, really. It's so so difficult to with such momentum towards um, you know increasing inequality towards. Uh, really, this you know more and more pathological capitalism. Um, uh, you know, if if this can help people wake up, or at least you know scratch the record off its tracks, and so that everyone looks up for a moment, uh, that would be good. Um, but it's also true that uh, you know in the past these sorts of events haven't always, in fact, typically haven't you know, uh, boded well for uh, poor people, for example. Mm -hmm. you know, people of, of all of the New York boroughs, the Bronx is the hardest hit, you know, the poorest borough. So, um, so uh, you know, I think there's, I, I think we, we, we probably shouldn't revel uh, in the, uh, the pandemic, but we may at least try to, uh, I, don't know, I, I would say take advantage, but, but to seize an opportunity. Because um, I know that people will be trying to seize the opportunity and, and many of them are, uh, you know, for their own, for their own gain. Is it, is there a, there's a Machiavelli uh, quote, um, about uh, not letting a good catastrophe go to waste. Some yeah. people. Yeah, I've, I've heard this and it's, it's important. Um, coming back to this idea of consumer, consumerism, which, you know, has the opposite side of producers. Who are the producers? Who are the consumers? Um, and then before there was this idea of consumer, there was the idea of customer. It's someone that you make something custom fit for, and that this customer has a particular need, a particular size uh, that they want 
you're good uh, to be a certain way. And so this this is more like the handmade person to person intimate exchange of someone in the marketplace producing something for someone who needs it custom fit. And it seems like this is an opportunity in terms of a crisis opportunity to shift back towards that, towards communities that are more intimate with one another in terms of, you know, who's producing the goods locally, uh, wanting to support that person and their family and having a return back to a tight knit community versus, you know, goods that are just stamped out on machines for the sake of keeping the machine running. But how is that going to happen? Uh, you know, I think there's some, been some tendency in that direction um, by necessity, but, you know, I think the powers that be will work very hard to, to return to the status quo afterwards. Uh, and I, I don't think there'll be any, you know, any natural shift unless there's a very, you know, an, an effort that's, that, that's just as active um, as those who want the status quo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the machine has its uh, protective processes in place. And yet, at the same time, a natural law is necessity is the mother of invention. I think the uh, what's painful about this is that, you know, after two missed meals, you start to have the, the, the fires of anarchy, anarchy stoked. Good people are going to do whatever it takes to feed their family and provide. And once that happens, uh, it's going to be very difficult to have cooperative pivot, you know, in the best case. Yeah. You got any ideas, Mark? <laughs> well, I have observances and, and ideas. What I've observed is in this migration of city people coming up north for the last, you know, decade and a half, uh, there's a chance to have the, not only the water be pretty warm for at least the people I know to come up here and have familiar faces, love, support, progressive community, uh, but also people who have already been learning how to grow their own food, how to forage, how to hunt, um, how to work on a schedule together in a uh, in a cooperative way. Uh, so that's that's really heartening you know that was part of our fear of getting out of the city is that there would be no life worth living outside of the city it would be too cut off from everything or too alien and to see that that's not the case and uh actually being out of the city environment is allowing for a lot more stable energy to focus and finish projects to completion um has been a pleasant surprise Mm -hmm. Um, so this is heartening, uh, and it, you know, it, it says something about the inner nature of cityets, uh, that they can, they can be taught. Um, at the same time, I, I think, you know, some might wonder whether this is translatable or scalable, uh, you know, it does this, uh, do these sort of communities you know, or this sort of, if you like, experiment uh, translate to, to people with without the means to, to move easily? Um, I, I don't know. I, you know, I, I don't, I know plenty of people who've, who've gone upstate, particularly for uh, the current, event um uh but uh to some extent it it's a luxury to be able to do so absolutely and not everyone can absolutely yeah we were guided by voices and also um a necessity it was like offensive to see the shitholes that the real 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 estate brokers were showing us in brooklyn uh, that we just refused to, you know, be bent over a barrel for to live in. And we said, fuck this. We're going to go out of the city and explore and found beautiful places uh, that were not that far, meaning 75 to 90 minutes from the city. 
given that the average commute um, from Brooklyn into the city can be 40 minutes, the trade-offs were, were pretty damn good. Um, and, you know, like looking at this from a, from a larger level, you know, like does humanity have a way of escaping the earth? Uh, and is that done with our physical bodies? Is that done in uh, strapping our asses to a, a combustion unit and hoping that we can we can point that that bullet towards a habitable world or a semi-habitable world? Are there any of those nearby? People like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos will, will tell you that, that this is it, it is necessary for uh, humanity to have these ambitions. Um, uh, others would say that uh, if we can't fix the Earth, what hope do, you, do we have of fixing another planet? Uh, for a, few, a purely practical point of view, it is much, much, much easier to terraform the Earth than to terraform Mars. Uh, the technological challenges of turning any other planet into a habitable world are, um, you know, not quite quite insurmountable, but many, many, many generations uh, away. Um, and, and that's many generations of concerted focused effort, which is, uh, you know, something we've never been able to, to achieve before. Um, <clears throat> so uh, I, I think it's, it's worth thinking about. I think it's worth and it. And it's worth continuing to explore space. It's worth sending people into space. And it's, it's worth uh, building a base on Mars and, and attempting to build a community there, um, but not as an escape. You know, I think it it is a dangerous uh, hope to imagine that uh, that there there is another option besides making our lives good here and making the Earth good again. Uh, I think, you know, not only is that technologically far, far, far easier, um, uh, it's, I mean, it's, 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 it's the right thing to do. You know, I think it, 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 mm -hmm. it there, there is no, there is no, I think Carl Sagan said something about this, that, that, well, he certainly said that, uh, that the earth is where we make our stand. Mm -hmm. So, play with these ideas for sure but but we have to make our stand here you know this 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 may be our forever home it, it may it may even be impossible like literally impossible to do uh you know, you know we can get to mars sure but beyond our solar system you know we, we don't even know yet mm -hmm. we, we know there are we, we know there are planets out there but the the amount of I mean, the the effort to 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 build things there to to, to even get a single human there is um, it's stunningly difficult. I don't think people uh, appreciate how fucking hard that that quest would be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've heard Elon say, you know, I want to. My goal is to die on Mars, but just not on the way. Yeah, and. Uh, <laughs> If you look at the, the fundamental frontier of going from a competition-based psychology, like I got to get to the resources before the other animals do, and I'll fight or flee based on what happens, going from that to a cooperative where we can work together, um, that's the frontier I've chosen to work on as a quote-unquote spiritual facilitator how do i do that in myself first and then through example that that would magnetize others to go hey what are you looking into what are you practicing and for me i don't see a point frankly of humanity escaping the planet whether it's through um rockets wormholes or you know shifting into um silicon-based life forms that could still be wiped out by a, an electromagnetic pulse. Uh, I don't see a point in those efforts until we've got our inner technology, our inner uh, shit together. 
I don't see a point. And and I agree no. that you know it, it never really made sense to be in awe of finding a a a, sh a, a drop of water on another planet and then um, a microbe in that drop of water when we are living on a planet full of life and we treat it like a garbage heap. Yeah, that's that's a, a good point. I mean, the the value of finding that microbe. Uh, from another world, you know, it, it's not just about the microbe. It, it tells us about uh, where we come from also. Uh, it tells us, you know, right now, it, one of the, the biggest questions we have is um, uh, how did life arise at all? Uh, is it extremely abundant in the universe or is it... Uh, impossibly rare um are we alone in the galaxy uh or or in you know or in a million galaxies and all of these are possible uh and so that so so that's something that it would be nice to know i think that, that would you know uh it, it would teach us something about ourselves as well um but but that's a a lovely point that you make that we, that, that we would be so enraptured by a, a single, you know, every, every time we find a, an organic organic compound in a comet, uh, we're, we're giddy that, um, you know, uh, vast tracts of the uh, Amazon rainforest burned down and, and with it, uh, previously and 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 previously undiscovered uh life forms that, that now never will be discovered you know that that happens is happening right now it's hard to it's hard to have all the perspectives at once yeah and that that it is a unique perspective um the respecting the spectrum of consciousness and circumstance that beings are in um, means that you you can't advance a, an integrative perspective that that sees all of the different levels uh, when the other side is only seeing the the base level the most survival level the us versus them level it's very difficult to have a conversation without first carefully find a, finding a point of agreement and the do no harm, just that, amongst uh, our leaders, <laughs> uh, amongst the different tribes and civilizations, and perhaps, perhaps, um, that will be more common if people decide, you know, that that COVID is the con common enemy, and that uh, the ceasefires amongst the gangs, amongst the factions, amongst the armies is necessary to fight this common enemy and perhaps be able to um, be interested in, in humans having a, a, a world that they can continue to, uh, to thrive on together. Yeah, I mean, we can hope, uh, and obviously we do hope. I, I don't think hope is enough. In this case, I think it's a, a beautiful story. Uh, I think uh, this is the um, plot of uh, the graphic novel Watchmen, where uh, the supervillain Ozymandias uh, causes a, a, an enormous disaster. Uh, no spoilers, uh, but uh, the aim being to bring all of <laughs> humanity together against a common threat. Uh, and in the story, it worked. But uh, but you know, uh, because we can see, like you know, the, our, all of our inner storytellers can see how how you know the nice uh, ending can be reached. From you know, we we we, we like to see. Uh, these narratives we, we, we think in stories but uh but will it i mean we don't know uh we can't just trust i think that that uh destiny gave us a disaster just so that 
uh, we could all be friends again. I, I, th- I think uh, maybe uh, the the COVID uh, event is an opportunity for this. Uh, I, I think it could be an opportunity for this, um, but uh, um, but only if uh, if people who want it make it so. Most of my perspectives are are uh, skeptical that there will be a, a uniformly positive outcome. Uh, I don't think that is possible. Uh, but a push for humans to adapt, adolve, uh, adopt, and evolve. Uh, I am interested in being a part of that support mechanism as much as it is possible and in all humility. Um, so I have a pivot in the conversation. Um, I was speaking to an astrologer friend uh, about the news when it was confirmed when we actually had a picture of the black hole at the center of our Milky Way and what the perspective, the, the shift in perspective would be when that had happened uh, amongst the astrolog- astrological community and amongst the um, astronomy community given the other sea changes that happened in, in human consciousness when it was uh, discovered that the Earth was not the center of the universe, not the center of the solar system. Um, that we, every time we have one of these uh, great confirmations that our old model needs to be upgraded, uh, this was a big one that I hadn't really heard too much commentary about after the ex- after the discovery. Um, what is your view on that, given that we've got a black hole at the center of our home galaxy? Okay, so this is so you know black holes are fairly central to my research. Uh, so it, it had some interesting effects on you know, me and, and my colleagues. Uh, the first thing to say is that we never doubted that these things existed. Um, you know, or at least we haven't doubted it for a couple of decades. The evidence uh, has, you know, the, the evidence of, of many different varieties has been too strong. Um, the, but there is something incredible about taking a photo of something, you know, to have that type of very visceral validation. Uh, you know, where used to, there there are expressions like, you know, until I see it with my own eyes. Okay, so there's something about seeing something that that, uh, gives you this intuitive sense of its truth. Um, But one of the purposes of science uh, is uh, is to develop other ways of seeing that, you know, besides the eyes uh, uh, and other ways of being sure of, you know, the, the various truths uh, of, uh, of the universe. Um, so we develop, you know, often quite long and complex logical chains of reasoning and experiment and observation uh, that, that lead us to conclude facts about, things that are entirely not visible and never will be visible. For example, the subatomic world. Um, uh, but, but, you know, we're so sure uh, of, you know, of, of some of these facts, uh, you know, like, you know, the existence of the electron, uh, you know, no one's ever seen, you know, really seen an electron, you know, uh, but, but, you know, we have, we have these sorts of sureties, uh, you know, and then a, all the theories surrounding um, some of these ideas. Why? Because we throw test after test after test and and develop this global consistency uh, in whatever model it is. Uh, in the case of black holes, black holes appeared 
you know, really first in in Newton's uh, physics, uh, but then uh, you know more accurately and and inevitably in in Einstein's general theory of relativity, um, and scientists worked for decades to find a way for them not to exist uh, because they seemed they seemed like a pathology of the theory. You know, the idea that you could have these regions of infinite density or these points of infinite density surrounded by this inescapable uh, uh, bubble. Um, But, you know, as time went on, we threw um, both theoretical and and, and observational uh, attacks and and, nothing could banish the black hole from the theory. And eventually we figured out ways to do as close as you you could come to a direct observation without actually taking a photograph. For example, if we look in the center of the Milky Way galaxy and we track the motion of stars, we see stars um, orbiting a blank spot on the sky. Uh, If you you look at infrared wavelengths, you see these stars uh, crawling in and then speeding up and slingshotting around uh, a, a point uh, where it, it appears that nothing exists, um, and you can, you know, but, but we know that something is clearly gravitationally uh, interacting with those stars, you know, in in the same way that the sun would slingshot a comet um, <coughs> that fell in from outside the solar system, uh, and so the ver- this and the various other lines of evidence mounted until there there was no consistent story, but for the existence of black holes uh, and for them to not exist would have, uh, I don't know, caused a lot of, <laughs> a lot of pain. Uh, it, it would have uh, been very inconvenient for, uh, you know, a lot of our ideas about how the universe worked um, simply because, um, you know, all of the, foundations that they, they didn't depend on black holes but they pointed to the existence of black holes uh and so them not existing would have told us that our foundations were very shaky uh but they're clearly not shaky because you know that we i mean the science is that you know the science of, of general relativity the theory of general relativity is just so damn successful uh that that you know we 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 end up having this sense of knowing like we see the consistency of the structures that 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 can only happen if we you know some there's a real underlying truth to the theory. Uh, so that theory predicted the predicts the existence of black holes, you know, which is why it was possible to spend hundreds of millions, a couple of billion dollars trying to take a photograph of one. Um, uh, you know, we expected to see uh, a black hole when when that photo was taken uh but nonetheless actually seeing it still felt like a relief uh, i'm sure vastly more so for the team who uh, made the picture um uh, but and, and it you know it, it, it crystallized i guess it crystallized this more abstract type of knowing that uh that we tend to have in science into you know the type of knowing we have that the moon exists because we can see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, it's a powerful mirror as well in the the Eastern traditions of the braiding together of destruction, creation, and the enduring, or what is preserved. And that these things cannot be separated. That uh, now at this time, 2020, we're looking at, you know, it seems like a sea change, uh, like on the level of BC, AD, and now like, I'm gonna call it after C, after Corona. Mm. Um, mm. And and those those events, this this confirmation visually at least uh, of black hole at the center of our galaxy. And the uh, the eating of the old, right? It's there's no going back. 
but now this opportunity that's a bit too close to the initial trauma of the virus, um, of the discovery, of the ripple. There's um, an opportunity to create a new world from the energy uh, that is now like being ripped away from the old, which of course will be trauma is traumatic and will be traumatic. But uh, for those with enough influence and vision, there's a possibility of create, creating something new that can endure. I, I've, I've heard a lot about the, uh, I don't know how much you buy into this stuff, but the idea of, of ages, um, where a patriarchal age is coming to an end now during our lifetime, and uh, a shift back towards the matriarchal, uh, back back towards um, the ability to see ourselves as a part of nature, as opposed to being there's man and then there's nature. This is um, this is starting to really seep into many different levels of of uh, human consciousness now. Uh, what is your perspective on on those kind of um, masculine to feminine shifts at this time. Uh, I, I tend to, th to less think, uh, you know, of the mind in, in these gendered ways. I, th I think it's a valuable uh, tool, uh, you know, to think about the different aspects. I think, you know, I think there are, I mean, there are there are gender stereotypes about certain ways of thinking, um, and I know that these have been used to usefully structure a lot of our you know, ways of modeling you know, the mind and, and consciousness and, and whatnot. Um, you know, certainly, the the idea of the the goal driven sociopath, uh, <laughs> you know many of whom rule our world today uh, is a very masculine uh, uh, idea if you're if you want to um, divide things that way um, and uh, I think it's a very shallow way of being I, I, I think if you know if we're getting smarter as a you know, I might say, or if we, if our minds and consciousnesses are, are evolving, then uh, uh, we have to start to see that uh, that these very weak and narrow ways of moving forward um, are, are doomed. I mean, they're dead ends. You know, I, I think. Um, mooring encompassing perspectives are necessary i think we we we're now coming to understand that the that the world that that people that societies and cultures are uh, incredibly complex and nuanced uh and uh that there there are not simple you know brute decision brute uh solutions uh, you know and, and you know we, I don't know if if so. That, I think that's my stance: is that uh, you know whether whether we need a more masculine or feminine approach. I don't know, but I think we need a a careful, nuanced, considered, uh, but but also uh, empathic. I mean that 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 you know uh, approach. I, I think empathy is part of having a nuanced view, having uh, uh, taking into account the minds of others. In, in your calculations, in your in your modeling of our very complex world, um, um, you, you you know you might think of empathy as as a feminine thing, but I think it's just an intelligent thing. Mm -hmm. I agree. Um, also, uh, yes, but I think these are di different ways to think about maybe moving in the same direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, so I have one more question for you, and this might be the most important one for me personally which is, uh, what does it mean to understand something? And if I pivoted off of this, this idea of, you know, the scrim of masculine-feminine polarity, 
I've, I've had it modeled this way, that if you imagine a sailor uh, on a ship holding up their net in front of their eyes and looking at the sea through that net, uh, that's an illustration of our left hemisphere or our masculine side, a way of chopping up the world into a, a wire frame and saying this is quadrant X and this is quadrant R versus dropping the net and having a, uh, an experience of beholding directly without division, uh, a living experience, right? Uh, awareness. And that's more about the, the right hemisphere, the ever new, the part of our consciousness that does not speak, that is uh, unadulterated. And that we're looking for this balance of the two without um, bypassing the trauma or the mistakes of the old perspectives, lest we uh, repeat them again, right? But at the same time, not throwing out the, ba the baby with the bathwater, logic, um, language, uh, knowing what's what is extremely helpful. Otherwise, how would we orientate ourselves? How would we carry on um, the learning of the past generations? So from your perspective, uh, what does it mean to understand something deeply? Mm. So it, it's something I, I think about uh, I, I think you know you're right to say that we don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. There's a reason that we have the capacity for both types of thinking and knowing. There's a reason we're capable of you know this sort of reductionist analysis of our world, and that's because it's it's super useful, you know, uh, in a very real way. The world is made of parts. And our, you know, if we, our, our brains are incredible at modeling the world, uh, you know, f to, to learn, to try to understand uh, its nature, to try to make predictions. That's uh, a, a very sort of goal-driven way to think about it, but, but it's gotten us this far. Um, and so the, this uh, reductionist approach um, is important and powerful um but at the same time i i think you can you know i i, I like to th think of the way we think about well the, really the way we think at all it, in some sort of computer scientific terms uh which uh you know hopefully won't sound too right hemisphered but i'll, I'll proceed so the idea of a um a simple uh, computer program that that wants to to you know optimize a function to say to you know to to seek out for example uh, the minimum location in some complex space to uh, you know which is kind of what our you know from a a uh, sort of a, a computer science perspective that's kind of what our brains do um, we, we we try to find solutions. Uh, you know, even if they're, um, you know, navigating away to our, our own happiness, but but essentially we try to navigate this uh, possibly infinitely dimensional complex space uh, in order to find the place that we want to be in it to mm -hmm. to, to to choose our paths forward. Uh, and there are there are different ways to navigate that space. You can be stuck in the little part of that complex space that you know very well and you know how to navigate perfectly and and crawl along that little local valley, uh, you know, crawl downhill if you like uh, uh, to, to find the local minimum, to find your way forward. Um, uh, or you can, you know, step out of the valley and see the landscape uh, in order to understand, you know, what other places exist in in the this complex arena of possibilities um you know which includes uh understanding the different ways of 
ways of looking at the world uh, from an, you know, an atomistic point of view, a reductionist point of view, or from a holistic point of view. Um, so, you know, I, I think from that sense, you know, you know, the, a, a computer scientist, computer scientists struggle to build the perfect algorithms that are capable of better navigating these complex spaces. Um, and they get very clever, but, but the best ones are able to do both. They're able to, to, crawl along the local area and get very good at it. They're also able to step out and scan the environment. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, so I think we are the most complex computational devices that as far as we know exist in the universe, maybe, maybe there, there's better, but, uh, but uh, from that very, I think I might get to the same viewpoint uh, that you would, which is that, um, uh, you know, acknowledge the complexity and try to embrace it all. Um, be, you know, try to be extremely good at something, <laughs> which means understanding the local complexity super well, but also don't be afraid of stepping back and, and, you know, seeing the forest for the trees, uh, and I think this is in, in my field uh, in astronomy, I have to remember to remember that the stars are beautiful and not just giant balls of fusing hydrogen <laughs> or numbers on my computer uh, more to the point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That this is what presently mindfulness means for me is this marriage of the gestalt the um, the global the forest if you will and the particular and uh, the perspectival and the the narrative and seeing how they can exist together harmoniously um, I found that yeah. that the plant medicine uh, intelligence is not for everyone but for many, a powerful ally in uh, bridging that divide and quickening that maturation of understanding of you know increasingly complex, mutating systems that we are a part of. Yeah, I, I know very little uh, about that field. Yeah, it's. Um, I guess within the the psychonaut <laughs> side of uh, you know, well, I know something about that field, yeah. <laughs> if that's what we're talking about. Um, but uh, uh, I guess the breadth of my experience there is limited. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember, and we, we can we can leave it off here. We've really we've gone over the time, and it's been fascinating. As um. When I read uh, Carlos Castaneda many years ago, and he described the human mold as the agreement about what reality is, that humans have created a language to um, form a narrative that they can agree about this is reality, given that our senses are filtering a very, very, very thin sliver of the vibrational truth of what's happening all around us. If we were to see that directly, you know, that could mean that we've died. That could mean that we are on a trip. Um, but basically it's, uh, as a heavy cost for the, the frog in the well to, to be extracted from the well and then dropped on the beach. That, mm. that reality perspective dilating too fast and too suddenly, in a sense, I feel like, Mm. That's what's happening with the coronavirus event on on humanity. We are, we are now on this open road that we've never really been on before. Mm. Yeah, I think I think it's very easy to um, move people one, one tiny step at a time uh, to you know vastly different societies uh, without them noticing. <laughs> Uh, but 
something sudden like this, it, it's hard to know what will happen. Well, Matt, we'll, uh, we're over the time and, and we could go on, I could go on with you forever. This is um, fascinating and very meaningful time to spend together. Um, thank you. Yeah, you too. This has been wonderful. It's been uh, very refreshing, actually. Um, so, yeah, I hope to see you in the flesh before too long. <laughs>